Deceased English gentleman Alvin Lee telling us so many years ago his frightful vision of the future. Lord, he ought to have to live in it. He'd really be frightened, wouldn't he? Uh, here we go again. Kick off another two-hour session. Got a nice group of folks here from the start. It's the Tuesday edition. Martes in Spanish. M-A-R-T-E-S. Martes. I can't. My mouth's dry. I can't trill my R's. Martes is, means Mars Day. Literally, so we're on Mars Day, Tuesday, and uh, got Chris along, our buddy Brent from Clark County. Got the two Clark County banditos on already here. Uh, Roger Sales, your host, moderator, whatever. And uh, I try, I, you know, if there's anybody else here to do it, it's got to be done. I'm, I'm responsible. <laughs> and the Radio Ranch, what I've labeled our get together and of course, we're on the People's Patriot Network. Uh, I was mentioning to Brent, let me get, take care of this dry mouth syndrome. I mentioned it to Brent right before we went on the show, brief conversation. We got a volcano going on. I mentioned it yesterday. It's down in the southern part of the country over on the jungle side, I believe. And, uh, you know, the Andes, the spine there in part of Ecuador used to be before, before Peru got belligerent back around the end of World War II when everybody else was distracted and Peru pulled a, pulled a war down here and Ecuador used to go all the way to the Brazilian border and, uh, between Colombia and Peru, they snatched all that jungle land there. That's the head of the Amazon. And, uh, but Evidently, this volcano is over on the jungle side, and it's, of course, in the south part of the country, the southern part, and uh, the plume yesterday, it blew to 40,000 feet, Brent. Uh, there was some aerial shots out of planes you saw, but the cloud cover was, you know, and man, there's that plume sticking through for tens of thousands of feet above that. It's also, evidently, one of the volcanoes that is... In the explosion, they call it a pyroplastic flow. And the difference of that is you might remember here a couple of years ago, the volcanoes in Hawaii went off in the big island. And those big tongues of lava, and it keeps blah, 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 and those big tongues of lava. And that's how those islands, obviously, of course, were made. But this pyroplastic flow thing is different. When they blow... They blow everything in this super hot magma in the earth that's the part of the volcano, the weak side of it that, that goes, uh, all gets that superheated temperature and it goes at super fast speeds down those sides of those volcanoes. And that's when it envelops cities that have been built at the base of them. I guess probably the most famous one is Pompeii. Uh, and that's why they, where they find people, they still find they're digging in Pompeii. I mean, you know, now. And they'll find these rooms where there are several people in them when that thing took over and the pyroplastic flow just, bam, baked them right in the room. And they preserved them almost perfectly, you know. Uh, and that's the kind of, this one is. And uh, But fortunately, it's pretty far removed from 
too much population in the immediate area and uh most of the ash to this point is in the southern part of the country i guess that's gonna uh as jack said depend on the wind pattern and whatever's coming up in the next few days we may be just seeing a little bit of it in the atmosphere but i do remember from our days in argentina there was a real big chilean volcano that went mad 10 years or so ago maybe maybe 12 years or so ago down there and uh closed airports in buenos aires all of them in the southern part of the hemisphere there but the one thing i really remember is we had about a week of the absolute most stunning brilliant sunsets i've ever seen in my life and you get that ash up there in the atmosphere and the sun at sunset and it's like going to a neon light show except it's all red and fluorescent red and it is just stunning so with the mountains around us i don't know how much of that we'll get i wouldn't mind seeing some of those but i could deal with not having any of the ash and certainly we don't want to be in any proximity of any pyroplastic flows but ecuador is popping up a little bit so anyway worth mentioning how you guys doing see harvey's joined us hey harv now you've got to reach for the mute hey. Oh, yeah, I, I always come online muted. Yeah, and I encourage people to do that, so I appreciate the pause there when I recognize you. Did you see that article about uh, George Perry, the prosecutor? I, I sent you overnight. I probably did. I don't know that I've had a chance to look at it. You know, a, a lot of our listeners send me stuff, and I mean, I got I got videos to look at that. I think the line yeah. starts in Omaha. I know, but what I send you is more important. Than I know. Well, I I give that <laughs> I and I give that it, it, it's due due presence. <laughs> uh, uh, no, there's there's a number of things happening. What about this? Which which one was it, Perry? Because I look at stuff briefly and they blend at times, Harvey. So help George, guide me in George, the rather. George is an old childhood playmate. Oh yes, 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 yes. I remember. I did look at it. Yeah, and he was uh, a federal prosecutor. Well, he actually started off as a county prosecutor, the DA's office in Philadelphia. Uh, way back when in the 70s and uh, uh, he he was put in charge of the police corruption unit so any crimes alleged against the police George had to investigate and decide whether they should be prosecuted or not in fact Every time there's a shooting, uh, he got out of bed to go look the situation over and determine whether it was a good or a bad shooting. And he was uh, he was the one who prosecuted the police for burning out that black uh, liberation group called Move back in 1985. Well, he has looked into the George Floyd case in minute detail. And, you know, remember, this is a guy who is a bona fide expert on police brutality. And he says, 
The cops did absolutely nothing wrong. I didn't see him. I didn't, in the complete video that I watched, I didn't see him do anything wrong. He was totally belligerent. You're talking about that uh, fentanyl. It was the fentanyl that was talking in that incident. Yeah, he was, uh, the guy committed suicide with fentanyl. And the autopsy uh, guy up there said he had enough in his system to absolutely kill a horse. Well, it, three times the, the minimum lethal dose, you know, for people that have never used it before, uh, they would, they would be killed by about, uh, three nanograms per milliliter of blood. Uh, he had 11 point something milliliters. I mean, nanograms per milliliter in his blood, but for people who are long addicted fentanyl users and uh oh excuse me uh, that, Do you, they, are you running the daycare center there or something yeah. <laughs> this, this kid finds me it's like a sidewinder missile wherever i go i'm telling you i'm the audience i'm gonna tell you i've known this guy for almost 30 years and that happens when when harvey walks into a room <laughs> he attracts every kid in the room They'll be over there. I'm I'm telling you, they'll be around him in a group over in the corner. <laughs> yeah. So, oh boy, doesn't wouldn't Joe Biden like to have my luck, huh? <laughs> oh, Harvey, did I, did you see that meme this morning with that little girl? I I think I sent it to you for the audience. Yeah, it's yeah. cute. I think it's the Idaho tw- Idaho Biden. twins sent me this this morning for the audience. Biden. Biden. It is the cutest little girl, you know, one of those just yeah. precious little angel girls, about what, four or something. And she's got her eyes cocked off to one side, and her t shirt says, Hiding from Biden. <laughs> it is so cute. <laughs> it really, it really is. That one, that one takes the cake. Uh, all three of those that you sent were good. Well, that was all three from the uh, from the Idaho twins out there. The first one was had a state of California on a map that said, unfortunately, there still are people that have to live in California. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I hope Paul Preston is successful in his efforts out there. It would uh, it would nope. overjoy me to see those guys get that mess that they've created dumped in their laps. You saw what Trump did yesterday. I don't think it was Trump. It was Barr. Barr has cut federal funding for Seattle, Portland, and New York because they're not taking care and taking the money they're already getting. They're giving them to take care of their citizenry. Yep. Now, you want to talk about throwing water on wet hens? Yeah. There's squawking, boy. Well, I was surprised you didn't put Chicago in there too. Yeah. Oh, along that line. Morning, Chris. Yes, sir. Good morning, gentlemen. Along that line, yesterday the news came across the crawl after our show that a federal judge in Nevada they claimed, had shut down Trump's suit to stop the 
vote fraud from the mail-in vote ruse that they're trying to implement here with this uh, left-wing terrorist governor, mob governor here in Las Vegas, Steve Sisolak, who also curtailed Trump's airport meeting that he had scheduled when he flew in here a few days ago. And this, I had an inclination, so I did a little research on it, and the judge in particular that made this ruling anti-Trump in the obviously act blue Ninth Circuit of the federal court system, which are funded by Soros and all these political activists from the north to the south on the west coast. This was James Calhoun Mahon. And James C. Mahon, you might recall whenever they broke out my windshield uh, in my driveway before they stole my house, was the one whose daughter Ginger Mahan had put her name to that document out of Yavapai, where I already had stereo decisis and had won the case against them. They had to pave 11 miles of road. And this is the same judge that met in Camara ex parte, and I've now deduced that it was part of the Joint Terrorism Task Force Special Operations run by the criminal Kenneth Meade and his entourage at the Joint Terrorism Task Force, who likely conspired with that federal judge of Gloria Navarro's, Harry Reid appointee, Gloria Navarro, and James C. Mahan and Vince Cam Fehrenbach to steal my house and have me evicted from it like I, they thought I was a renter when I was actually the homeowner. Uh, this is part of this great swath of criminality and tyranny of the judiciary that Chris, we're seeing around America and the planet. Chris, that Judge Navarro's name rings with me. Wasn't she involved in some high-profile other cases out there? Oh, yeah. She's the one that was uh, – I was doing reporting, live reporting from the Bundy trials that ah, were being held there. That's what I thought. And Navarro was the one who did the ultimate dismissal because of egregious abuse of prosecutorial discretion by Stephen Myrie, the U.S. attorney here, who vindictively and viciously withheld inculpatory and exculpatory exonerating evidence. Yeah, they're virtually all rotten. I was thinking the other day, we mentioned it one time a while back. Do you remember the first thing I see Luz joined this morning, buddy? Do you remember the first thing that Clinton did when he got into office? It demanded the resignation of every attorney general and um, U.S. attorney in the country. He demanded every U.S. attorney resign. Then he selectively hired the ones back he wanted. Yep. Talk about talk about you want you want to talk about unprecedented? Do you? You know what? What's Trump doing that's unprecedented? Nothing like that. That's firing federal bureaucrats, man, wholesale. Are you kidding me? You can't even hardly get rid of the son of a bitches once they get those jobs. He fired every one of them in the country. Bam, one move. Yeah. Just for just for history's sake, just for a little perspective here. And then when uh, when Trump uh, somehow directly or indirectly forced out the. Uh, uh, U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New yeah. York, they started screaming bloody murder. And, of course, in what happened two weeks later, that I office forget. arrested Ghislaine Maxwell. Oh, 
There's a couple other things that have come out of there recently since that change, too. That is probably, they say, I think I've heard, I've read, the most key important U.S. attorney's office in the country is the Southern District of New York. And they're finally doing something. Now, listen, that's the district where supposedly this grand jury was meeting on 9-11 starting a couple of years ago, too. Well, it's like, it's like, uh, you know, if, if you're a U.S. attorney in New York City, it's like being a mosquito in a nudist colony. Yeah, buddy, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Any any way you bite, you're gonna hit a target. Uh, you talk about the seed of criminality. Hey, Roger. Hey, there's Lulu. Yeah, bud. Uh, question on that Southern District, New York. Isn't that also the district where the uh, New York Police Department gave them Wiener's laptop? Is yep. That correct. Or- yep. 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 All of that. Now remember, they went out of. They went out of. I'm sorry, they went out of their jurisdiction to to pop masks. Well, that was out of their jurisdiction. That okay. I mean, the case was, but they went up to New Hampshire to Buster. Yep. But also, uh, has anybody followed this? um, There's an organization called uh, Architects and Engineers for 9/11. Oh, Richard Gage. Well, they've, they've got a lawsuit that's finally being heard on uh, 9-11. Yes, and some of the survivors, I saw one of them on Tucker here recently, and they had a real important decision that they're going to release a bunch of stuff they've kept classified about the Saudis that they've been trying to get for, what, 15 years? And the Saudi well, we involvement. All, we all know that the, the, the only thing that was flying on 9-11 the next day was the uh, corporate jet that was flying the bin Laden family out of the U.S. Yeah, speaking exactly. of, speaking and of, here's, here's a radio ranch prognostication. Look for the Saudis to be the next one joining that quote-unquote peace group over there in Satan's sandboxes cooking up. Do you watch and see if Saudi doesn't jump in the middle of that with Israel, Bahrain and the UAE and the others they've got rolling on that. Mark my words. Uh, I would have to point out in their lexicon, peace equals war. Yeah, right. And well, fact, you know what the com- <laughs> you know what the communist you know what the communist definition of peace is. I believe it's an eternal state of war, but I'm not sure. No, no, it's not, no resistance to communism. That's peace. That sounds like uh, Rothschild's comment on competition is sin. Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. the, the other thing that's interesting. Opposition to communism sounds like a U.S. Uh, university campus. Yeah, right. It sure does. <laughs> What's opposition to communism walking on campus? <laughs> well, wasn't it Mrs. Rothschild that said, I think I may have heard it on here last week, that if uh, my boys want war, yes. there'll be war. If they want peace, there'll be peace. Absolutely, straight out of her mouth. And she had five of them that controlled the key banking centers of Europe. Yeah. Uh, speaking of them and their influences, we've got a little bit going. One of them died off here Friday. 
and there's a bunch of commotion. Uh, pretty refreshing. All three of the candidates are females. One of them's from the 11th Circuit, uh, Harvey, and she's only 38 years old. All right. Yeah, she's down in Florida. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then there's another one that is uh, uh, out of, I don't remember where, but the favorite one is out of the Seventh Circuit in Chicago. And I saw an interview. She's not from that area. She's from Louisiana. And I saw an interview with a congressman, a sitting congressman from Louisiana, that's known her since they were in active in high school politics, state, you know, different organizations dealing with high school pol- politics and stuff. And evidently, she's a real crackerjack. Uh, just super, super gal Catholic, uh, but that has seven children. Uh, five of her and her husband's own and two adopted and Haitians. And one of them is a special needs child. And they're going to have a pretty hard time throwing up anything in her past. Any of those well, that he's got up there that I heard their backgrounds on, uh, they were all very promising. The one from Georgia now, if at 38, she could sit up there for almost three to four decades. Yeah. yeah. But, uh, that Amy Coney Barrett. Yes. Isn't that her name? Yeah, I think it is, yep. Harv. She's Close she, enough, Harvey. She's pretty <laughs> enough to be in the movies. She is a beautiful, beautiful woman. Well, uh, she can't be a Democrat then if she's good luck. That's, that's exactly <laughs> and a pro-lifer. Yeah. Did you guys... But, that meme yesterday that showed the the drawings on Biden and Pelosi on the beach, and Biden's in his shorts and oh, he's got a Che Guevara tattoo, and Nancy's yeah. in her full bathing suit with a Playboy bunny emblem on her breast. I'm telling you, it's like funny, man. Some of these memes just leave me on the floor. They're so effective. Holy smokes, is that kind of stuff effective? Well, if right. if one of the Rothschilds d- does die, that may, uh, there's that fourth I was looking for for the uh, for the uh, uh, card game down there in hell. Today. <laughs> yeah, Ginsburg might have played bridge. Probably did. So what's going to happen for the people that hadn't seen this is she's going to be put uh, lying in state at the Supreme Court, I believe, for Thursday and Thursday or uh, Wednesday and Thursday. Tomorrow and Thursday, I believe. And uh, and because of that, she's going to have a vote on the next decision as well. Right? <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah. Well, oh, they'll bring lying. in they'll bring in some Jew, one of these uh, blood drinking seances, and and conjure her up so she can put a vote in there. But uh, that yeah. leaves the door and Trump. Uh, you know, the the Republicans are handling her death very graciously. Now she did have some. Pretty uh, pretty interesting accomplishments in her life, even though none of us would agree with her. But that be that as it may, the Republicans are treating this very respectfully. If it was the other way around, there'd be no respect at all. Okay, but oh. be that as it may, he's going to appoint. It looks like this other gal we're talking about, Louisiana gal, uh, probably Saturday, I'd guess, maybe Friday if he wants to push it. Uh, I, I was. Reading something, and, I, and I'm curious if anybody on here might know, know the uh, the answer to this. That 
supposedly uh, there were two or three U.S. senators that were on his list. And the comment was made that if they're a U.S. senator or if they have been vetted to be on the Court of Appeals, they do not have to go through the Senate uh, Judiciary Committee hearing. Uh, really? Vote. Is that correct? Or I don't not? know about that, but I know two of them come off uh, uh, to mind. Cotton is one of them and Cruz is the other one. Both of them were on the list that I saw. Yeah, but the, the problem with that is that, especially with Ted Cruz, uh, you could wind up losing a Senate seat. Right. And. Uh, he would not be allowed to vote on his own nomination, and the vote's too close. Uh, it looks like Trump has for some, somehow bent Mitt Romney's ear. So it, I saw a headline this morning. He's got his okay. To, he's going to get his vote on it. It's the other two female rhinos that are holding out, Collins and Murkowski. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I think it was – one of them, I can't remember which, said, well, it's okay to go ahead and start the hearings before the election, uh, which she knows and you know and I know means that they're going to vote before the election and she's going to – she's she's just making some moves that she thinks are necessary to it- – uh, it may yeah, be cool. the first time that a vice president's been brought in to deadlock a vote on on a Supreme Court nominee, I think I heard someone say. So there's some, may be. Yeah. Yeah, some interesting Very. historical things shaping up around an already absolutely the I got to say it's the most bizarre election in my lifetime and I got to believe it's the most bizarre election in the history of the country. If you know of any others that have even approached what we've seen in the last 6 months, please bring them forward. Uh, I tell you it reminds me of the time when the Catholic Church had three popes at the same time. <laughs> I know something I wanted to bring up that I found very interesting because of our insight here, you know, and what we talk about and have been, and all of us discover stuff in these discussions, okay? And there was an article on uh, Zero Hedge over the weekend about this, what you're talking about, how many days did it take to get different justices confirmed? I sent this out. I think you were one of them, Harv, probably you too, Lou. And as you're looking down the different lists and they were pretty extensive two lists i don't remember the categories but they had some on top but the longest since the turn of the century and it may be since the history of the country the longest justice that it took to get confirmed was what was it 123 or 125 days yeah something like that i remember that and which justice was it let me ask chris chris which is the longest justice that it's taken to get confirmed to the court since the turn of last century? Mm, I'm guessing, but maybe Sandra Day O'Connor? Oh, no. Brandeis. Now, I wanted, to, I wanted to bring that up on the show for some of you that want, you know, that like to do research. Man, that is a good topic to look into. Why did it take 125 days to get Brandeis confirmed? Because he was the first Jew that got on the Supreme Court, and he was the beachhead for everything they've done. 
They used to have meetings in his prohibited from Supreme Court procedure and whatever. They used to have those Zionist meetings of the Parashim in his office in the Supreme Court. And he spawned two future justices, Frank Furter and another one. And I can't think of his uh, credenza. There was another justice in there that came out of that bunch too, the Parashim, and that was the initial beachhead, and he'd been palling around with with Wilson for at least 15 years or more working on the Palestine issue, setting it up. He'd been on different uh, just, boards just curious, does any, any, with Brandeis and does, stuff does for years. Know how, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Lou. Does anybody know how many of how many, how many of the tribes sit on the Senate and House of Representatives? You can't find that out. I'll tell you what you can't find out. There's an attorney, a retired, a, a, I think a retired U.S. attorney or some attorney from Boston that's been trying for years to find out how many dual citizens there are in the Congress. They, they will not give out that information. Hmm. Yep. But the good news is that the worm's turning on them because it's that whole bunch that's absolutely hysterical because they're losing power and everything they've worked for. They've had to creep and crawl and use fraud and use time and use deflection and use all of their bag of tricks to get it to the point where they're going to nail it down, buddy. And they were one presidency away from doing it. That's right. It does not appear the way things that my personal gauge is things are going to continue to erode for them and they'll never have another chance. They can't do it by force. They want to, they'll use China. Okay. But they'd rather take it over with you to a point where you've agreed with them until they get that last door side of the pen up and then you're trapped. And for those of you who may be new and don't know this, What's really going on here is you're in the, the master holy grail triangular trap. And the first side was the 14th Amendment. And the second side, first a line, then another line, and then a square. Have, we, have you been exposed to this stuff, Lou? Uh, just just a, okay. All right. a little bit. I well, don't I, I'm, I'd say fundamentally, but I don't. I'm not as well versed as some. Well, I've been thinking about it for years, and it was through that experience in Argentina that it came to me. It's always one of the weirdest experiences of my life. I won't go into it at this point because this other is so important. But what came out of it is this: the Freemasons' motto, and it's printed all over the place. I'd seen it somewhere years ago, and it imprinted in my memory because it was so unusual. And years later, when this incident comes up, it came to me. Okay, I'm, I don't, you can, I, I'm going to attribute that to the big guy. You guys can do whatever you want with it. But that's how it happened. And the, the limerick motto of the Freemasons is first a line, then another line, then a square. Okay. Now, what they're doing is they're laying it right out there in front of you. The answer's always right in front of you, and then they surround it with mystery, and, oh, you're too stupid to understand this. First a line, then another line, then a square. The first line, you're thinking 
linearly, and they're thinking conceptually. That's what's going on. Right? The first line was they started the Civil War to get the 14th Amendment in place. The second line, then another line, was when they put the Federal Reserve Act in place, gave them control of the money and therefore the structure of the government. Then a square, and see, most people think of a form of a square. But a square, once again, equivocation, has got a technical term that's closing off open lines. That's a drafting term. And the square that closes the third line of the, of the pyramid and traps everybody inside in is when they hid the original status. And so when you submit that affidavit or however, you can do it just in a declaration. It doesn't have to be an affidavit. It's just more desirable because it's weaponized. But when you submit that to them, it dissolves the third line of the triangle. That's why you get out. That's what's going on. That's why they can't say anything because the third Question line mark. was laid in there with fraud. See? Question on that, on that. Okay, you got a line, a second line, and then a square. Is that six lines or, or four lines? Three lines. Okay. And then, and then as, as Daryl has pointed out, then what they do is take that third line or the baseline or one of the other lines, and they just, now they only have to do two. So they build another one, bam, bam. And then they take another one of those lines, boom, boom, and build another one. So it's a progressive thing for them, but it's all based on that right there, the 14th Amendment, the takeover of the Federal Reserve, and the hiding of the original status. Well, have you ever been by, I've just noticed it here recently because I, I, I read something about it, started noticing it. You go by any Freemason uh, uh, building and they have that upside down star. Now, for those, for anybody who, and I'm not, I'm not a, I, I read stuff about QAnon for once. Well, there was one of the posts there that had the upside-down star, and it showed the head of Baphomet inside yeah. that star. Well, that's what it is. The five-pointed star upside down is the long-time historical <laughs> reference. Are you uh, are you over at the fish market or what? Sorry, I'm in a coffee shop. I'll go to I'll go to mute here and listen. <laughs> well, no, that's okay. I didn't mind. I just asked it. Well, at least I'm not running the vacuum cleaner today. You are making week-to-week -week progress, Lou. We're proud of you. I'm, I'm like the Naval Academy football team. I may be small, but I'm slow. That's right. Hey, did you know Ambort? Have you talked to Glenn, met Glenn in any of your peripheral dealings with our bunch here? Uh, no, I don't believe I have. You know who he is. He was John's sidekick. He was a right. he, he was yeah. an Annapolis graduate, and he tutored Roger Staubach through Annapolis to the Heisman back then. He was his classmate, yep. and that was told to yep. me by another classmate, not Glenn. He's real humble about it. Yep, you know. No, no. Well, I helped him a little bit, but this other guy that was their classmate told me he said, "Man, he'd have never done it without Glenn." Glenn's a really incredible guy. When he got out of the academy and he 
got his service requirement out of the way, he got real interested in professional gambling. And so he studied for a year and a half game theory. And he went out professional gambling for two years. And in two years, he was barred from over 40 casinos from, from New Jersey all the way through the Caribbean. I don't doubt it. If, 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 you're a, if you're a student of that mathematics like that and probability and statistics and all that, you can beat the system. I mean, I, when I asked him, I said, well, Glenn, is that like, you know, here's ignorant Roger. You, you Vegas guys appreciate this. I said, is that like card counting? And he goes, oh, no, 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 no. That's not like card counting. It's much more involved than that. So, uh, yeah, he's, a, he's quite a guy. I was sure it was God's hand in my life that in the six months those guys were teaching that I stumbled across their path there in Atlanta. It just, uh, I mean, these things, I just can't imagine that was coincidence. Especially seeing all the other things in, all, in this long trail of three men's lives that's been able to get us to this point and be able to explain this trap that we're in in somewhat simplistic terms and, and more importantly, the remedy, which is so easy to achieve. And, of course, that's why they made the damn thing so complicated when you think about it. Am, am I correct in that I read uh, a few years back that the IRS code was written at the University of Chicago? Is that correct? Wouldn't surprise me a bit. I don't know where it was written. I do know one thing, though. That Remember, did you ever come across Gary Bryant? Uh, you weren't hanging around our meetings too much back then. I know Harvey rem remembers Garo. Did you ever meet him, Lou, Gary Bryant? I remember the name, but I can't, you know, at this stage, as he, my old age, I don't remember. He was, he was just a really eccentric, interesting, very, very genuine guy. And he was an engineer. I mean, an engineer. He was in the Merchant Marine. He, he was on ships all of his life. So he'd go all over the world on all these, you know, trips and stuff. But with all that time on his hands, he got into IRS and he started studying the law. And this is before computers, and he wasn't real computer gifted. So he kept everything in all these notebooks. And he'd make copies in all those three-ring big binder notebooks. Remember that, Harvey? Did, were you ever exposed to Gary's notebook collection? <laughs> I mean, he had a no, trunk no, full I, of them, buddy. I heard he him speak. <laughs> Go ahead. Now, he would quote he would quote chapter and verse out of the IRS code. Uh, he was absolutely incredible. He was something, and I got to be real close with him. That's how I learned all those. When the IRS came after me with that summons for books and records, it was him and I that went through that process and him that hammered that, all that regulatory stuff in my mind. When you come on here and I tell you all about this, the regulatory system, these are statements of policies, these are interpretive regulations, these are substantive regulations, and what the all that that came from my experience with Gary. And it was in that experience, Lou, looking through some of those notebooks one night, and he had the proof there that Title 26 in its entirety, the Internal Revenue Code that you just said was written at the University of Chicago, wouldn't surprise me a bit, that's Rockefeller U, okay? But it only was passed by the House of Representatives. It was never passed by the Senate, never signed by the President. Why is that? Well, you remember uh, Benson's uh, 
book, The Law That Never Was. Yes, I do. But why was it only passed by the House? Details, details. Because the House has exclusive jurisdiction over Washington, D.C., and they tie you into it because you're a resident or a citizen of the United States. Therefore, you're grounded to a law emanating from Washington, D.C. That's why. Uh, Lou? I mean, yes. See, Go ahead. Uh, when you start understanding the structure, you can take these little dangling participle pieces of information that you didn't couldn't connect and plug them right in. That's why it's so important, as Glenn has said, and I've repeated on here numerous times, it's so critical with this. If you don't understand that you're dealing with the feudal system, you'll never do anything but shadow box with it. Because it's almost impossible to read all those statutes and all those regulations and all those court cases and realize you're dealing with the conceptual feudal system. That these guys work on a conceptual level, not a colloquial linear level, and this is how they do things. And you can see its effectiveness. Did, did, some, did somebody call my name? No. I'm okay, not sure. I Harvey. Might have been he was referring to you in some capacity. But anyway, those are just interesting things. I think the most interesting thing that I come away with from the, the big picture thinking that I get into is the fact that in their technique, they always bury the hook at the very start. Whatever it is, the hook's right at the start, and then there's voluminous information that follows that you get off chasing rabbits in. But the hook's already set every time. I heard, I heard an old, old country country fellow years ago told me something that really has stuck in my mind. He, was, he says, you remember when you were a kid and you made up the dough balls and you took them down off the dock and you tossed them out in the water and you, the fish would come and eat them and eat them and eat them. You do it for three or four days. And then after about three or four days, you went back with a dough ball on a hook. Yep. And he said, he said, that, he said anybody who tells you that something's free, he said, you better start looking for the hook. It's always in there. It's always in there, and they're real good at placing it and hiding it, too. And then with a lot of people making them like it. You know, and Cody comes on here, and we're going to do, what can we do? We do, 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 do. The only thing you can do is to do this individually. Now, we get enough strong individual, we may have some we opportunities. But until that time, this, like your spirituality and what professional path you choose and all those things, those are all your decisions. This is an individual deal. That's one of the big lessons I've learned out of this because I used to think in those we terms. And I've just learned it's counterproductive because it's never going to work. And the reason it's never going to work is you could put this out there in front of 350 million people in the United States here today. And of the ones that would understand it, there would be a great percentage of people that would choose to stay in the system. Does anybody have an argument with that statement? 
Not at all. Well, what are you going to do with them? So you're going to run two systems either way. I just choose not to be part of that one. Let me, you know, last night it's, I had an old browser that had, I thought had crashed on me. Thank goodness it hadn't because it had a lot of real important information. It's Opera. I used Opera as a browser for, hell, about 20 years. And it's out of Norway. It was a small independent. Well, I find out the Chinese have bought the darn thing, which didn't do much for me. But regardless here, a while back one day, it just pops up. It says, hey, Opera, boom, boom. Well, I, I open it, and there's all the information. Everything is back. And the tabs were still there that I had open. And we were discussing this. I'm going to put this at the end of today's show description because there's some absolutely wonderful information here. And this guy's name had come up the other day, and I'd forgotten his name. And his name is Byron Beers. Are any of you familiar with that? Chris, you? Byron Beers? Chris is looking for his mute button. I am, but I, I can't pull that name up. This guy's done some incredible writing, and I, I had two web pages. One was a book that he's got here for free, and I'm going to put the master list on the end of today's show description. And the other one was one of the books that I had opened up to look at, and the title of that one is Introduction to the Law Merchant. Very interesting. So I started looking at it last night, and at the forward. Uh, he's got a number of the other articles up there, and then ever uh, under every one of them is a Bible verse. And I started reading some of these verses here. Oh, I take that back. Some of them are out of Chis, uh, a Supreme Court. It's just commentary from him. But under the law merchant one, let me just read a couple. Under the, it says, uh, Introduction to the Law Merchant, the, the book that I'm opening up that this is at the front of. It says, Stand Fast. Therefore, in the liberty with which Christ has made us free, and do not, and be not, excuse me, be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Now that's Galatians 5.1. Uh, let's see, uh, there's a couple of other ones here that I thought were just, this one you've heard before, but it's worth reading. If men, through fear, fraud, or mistake, should in terms renounce or give away any natural right, the eternal law of reason and the grand end of society would be absolutely vacate such renunciation. The right of freedom being a gift of Almighty God it is not in the power of man to alienate this gift and voluntarily become a slave. Samuel Adams penned to that. Uh, here comes Daryl. Uh, there's another one in here that I thought was really, oh, oh here it is. It's under resident minister, the, book, the thing he's written on resident minister. You're going to like this. This is from Leviticus, Leviticus 25, 45. You may also buy some of the temporary residents living among you and members of their clans born in your country, and they 
will become your property. Leviticus 25.45. Hey, Daryl. Good morning. Uh, I just sort of popped in here and was listening to you. And you, you brought up Byron Beers. Now, everybody out there, get your pen and pencil ready. I, I found this guy about a year ago. I know it's hard to keep track of all these things. It is, man. <laughs> and uh, it is. It's all right. <clears throat> it's, it's, this is why many hands make, make the work go, go well. You know, I, 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 couldn't even, I couldn't even begin to imagine that in what's ever left of my life, I could access and, and collate in my mind anything even fractionally approaching what Chris has in his brain. This is why I, uh, I so appreciate him and, and, uh, well, and you too, Roger. I mean, we all have these different areas and, uh, I tend to go more along the anthropological, uh, big word, I'm sorry, uh, aspects of it. And, uh, but the, uh, so if you had time to get your, your pen and paper, if you go to a website called one word, the federal mafia, that, that shouldn't be hard to remember. Oh, that shifts old site. And, and, uh, you will see, um, well, it's, uh, the federal mafia dot homestead homestead.com the federal mafia dot homestead.com and it will pull up all the treatises uh he has um about 10 of them here where there is no money liberty the natural of order of things sovereignty the legal system for sovereign rulers the negative side of positive law, resident minister, introduction to the law merchant, society of slaves and freedmen, introduction to corporate political societies, and uh, superior law, higher law, and my law. Uh, I have downloaded and printed out this entire catalog of work, uh, which took several hundred sheets of paper and I also saved them on my hard drive and files. But, uh, I have to tell you after you have read through, let's say, let's say that we were, you know, Lou will appreciate what I'm saying here and, and others. Uh, let's say that we were going to organize a, uh, a fundamental class on, um, uh, one-on-one on this information. Well, this would be a part of the required reading. And after you, this is part of your deprogramming. <laughs> and so once you have read through these things and they've been processed, turned into intelligence through the act of processing it in a dialogue and conversation and maybe even uh, in the form of an essay uh, quiz or evaluation, and, and then even an oral conversation to uh, grasp that you had actually, as a student, had cognized, internalized uh, the information 
at this point, at this point, you are now ready to have the discussion with Roger. <laughs> okay. Or, or somebody else, because this is a, 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 uh, a class that takes you from being conceptually and grammatically illiterate in concepts and re-educates you uh, into what the the words actually and the concepts actually mean. And of course, it brings you from uh, it this brings can't be you, allowed. It yeah. brings you from an illusion that's set up using all these techniques back into consciousness and reality, one baby step at a time as you untie the definitions of those words and get the correct definition in your subconscious. I mean, that I think is the yeah. process that's happening. Yeah, well, I, I mean, it doesn't matter if you're 16 or 65. If if you're if you're illiterate to the concepts and understanding, or if you have a conflated, equivocated understanding of it, it will constantly turn in circles. You will, you know, it's it, you know, and like lucid, uh, you know, Lou being an airline pilot and an instructor, you know, it's like. It's like somebody who can fly a Cessna 172 and, and you know, throwing him the keys to a, a Lear 35, you know. He, he, he ain't going to get it off the ground. And if he does, he ain't going to survive very long. So, um, you know, that's really, that's really where it's at. And that's one of the hurdles that present people, Let me is bring- presented to people is, do you mean I have to unlearn all this crap that I've learned already? Could I, well, you, yeah, you do. As, pain, <laughs> as painful as it is to me, could, could I bring up that conversation with that guy Nick last week? Okay. And at the end of that, very contentious. And I look, I'm not here to do that. I didn't enjoy it. I don't like that sort of confrontation. But at the end, this was so illustrative to me. And he said, well, why can't you your stuff help me with the traffic court in Ecuador? I said, well, because you're a resident there. And he said, Ecuador hadn't given me any benefits. And and that's after right there is when he left. And I asked after he hung up and I thought about it later, I thought, well, you can stay here more than 90 days without having to get a tourist visa. So is that a benefit or not? You live here, don't you? I mean, see, that's a simple misunderstanding at these levels. And until you get somebody with those cobwebs of misinformation out of the way, you can't talk turkey with them. Your po- your point, Roger, so, is is very well made. In the fact that, and, and the and the bottom line is, we enter into contracts without even understanding what we're doing. Yeah, well, that's very well, true. That, but you know, the one that we're in, we never even see, seen, or heard, and most people don't even know what it is. If you ask 100 people on the street what the oath of fealty is, I guarantee you won't get an answer out of hardly one of them. I prefer to call them pine tricks. Well, there's legitimacy. The thing, hold on, Cody. There's the, you see, this is what they play, Chris. Yeah, we can refer to them as that, but most contracts aren't. They're, they're, they've got a set body of law that 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 overrides them you got to have consideration mutual agreement full disclosure all the things or it's not a valid contract but the things there are is over in the merchant code there's all kinds of little jerry-rigged different types of contracts that you don't know about uh how about a confirmatory writing lou what's a confirmatory writing 
I don't know. Okay, well, have you ever received one of those letters that says from the individuals representing Satan that says we haven't received your tax returns for the years this, 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 and the other? If you've submitted these, just disregard this letter, but otherwise we might have to ask you to come in with some of your books and records. You know those letters? Oh, yeah, I've had those before. Uh, that's a confirmatory oh, writing. It's a contract. It's in specialty contracts in the Uniform Commercial Code. And it's between merchants that, quote, unquote, supposedly know the contents of the letter. And it's a type of contract that if you don't expressly disagree within 10 days or whatever it is, then it's deemed that you've accepted it. What do most patriots do when they get those letters, Lou? They ignore them. They throw them right in the crap can, don't they? And you've agreed to a contract, and you didn't even know what the hell you'd done. That's the justification at the front end that they use at the back end when they come in and use push code 09 to stop the computer process so they can slip a dummy return, a, a 1040 that the agent has signed into the process. So now the computer system recognizes a 1040's been filed, and they go on to assessment and collections. Yep. There's your little, okay. there's your tricky ass little oh, contract, uh, isn't it? There's a, uh, it's kind of like a, uh, it, you could, you could uh, anal analogize it to a, uh, an affidavit in a, in a reverse sense that if, if you don't reply, if you don't rebut it, uh, then you've tacitly consented and, and now uh, they have remedy. So another another thing you brought up earlier, uh, Roger, I just turned the I just turned it on, and you were talking about to Lou about the uh, the IRS uh, CFR twenty six and uh, the House of Representatives and the the important thing to understand there is that. The uh, District of Columbia and and the people that reside <laughs> thereof or are part of that society, they are the absolute rulers of of that society, and those 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 people that are subject to that are are residents, and the District of Columbia is a municipality. Now, when I say the word municipality. Uh, a, a lot of people even listening on here what that word will provoke in their mind will that word will provoke in their mind a response and subliminally you will create a picture in your mind of the courthouse in your local county and, and I know this to be a fact because I've asked a lot of people this question it will the word will provoke an image in your mind of your local courthouse and what are you talking about there, all the, the federal government cannot be, be a municipality. Well, here and there lies a conflated understanding of what this is. It is a municipality. The federal, the District of Columbia is a municipality, and you are a re resident of that. And uh, so uh, the the power of the, legis the, the legislators in um, uh uh, Washington, D.C., who are in the uh, body called the House of Representatives, 
are working through your local municipalities. It's all tied together. And they are they are sub they are sub franchises of of that authority. Okay. To oversee the residents, the residents in, in those territories. Don't forget you're only a state citizen oh. now if you reside. And the state wherein they reside. So everybody that said you're a resident to get your state citizenship the reverse way has agreed to being under the laws and dictates of Washington, D.C. and the federal government by your own damn admission. Well, you, yeah, you're, you're, you're the resident of the state of a state, not, not the organic state. So there's... Uh, so um, that word state is kind of a, you know, a tricky word. It has double meanings. Now, let me ask you something. Is it, is it even, even remotely possible for there to actually be a nation when you have multiple cultures and uh, <laughs> multiple societies? Can you even be a nation? Not if you look it, at the- it really not the classic yeah. definition you're yeah. not no no it can't no it can't uh so um uh-oh well, what happened here yikes let's see i think we're still recording let me see we're still on the air for some reason i just lost all of jitsi i think the jitsi platform just went down Ah, uh, yikes. Okay, there's coming up. Let's see if we can get back in. Okay, I'm I'm back on the Jitsi platform. No, it just dumped out again. Unfortunately, something went wrong. We're trying to fix this. Recycling in 12 seconds. Okay, well, this is the first time this little snafu has happened. We've got about an hour left in the show. I hate to double dictate. Let's see. can rejoin now here come on jits come on let's see okay well i'm i don't even see me here uh all right well let's see here now come on jitsy invite other people to the room you are the only one in the meeting and it doesn't even show me in the meet ah there we are i think we might be back let's see chris can you hear me chris Okay, you guys, it looks like the Jitsi platform's back up. Somebody else is coming back on. A gray person. I see Chris. Chris is on here twice. Okay, Chris, you're on here twice, bro. All right, somebody else is coming back. Daryl's back. Are we back yet, folks? What in the world is going on? I had to yeah. close out and re-sign on, get back on. Okay. okay, well then, uh, you're, you're was on. It, was you're there on. something I said? I don't know. I think Jitsi, you know, Jitsi's little platform has a hiccup every now and then. That's the first hiccup like that we've experienced, but they seem to have got it under control fairly quickly, thank goodness. We appear to be back. Daryl, you were right in the middle of saying something when we zipped out. Do you happen to remember where we were? Well, I was just I was just pointing out the uh, the absurdity that you can have a nation 
and have parallel and multiple systems of law and culture. Yeah, and of course that's what they and, they and, uh, they they don't want you to know about the parallel systems of law. That's pretty obvious, but uh, uh, you, yeah. but we're learning about it. And as I said, the 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 bad problem we've got, and this is the one that Cody keeps. What can we do? You can't do anything except what you're gonna do, you, unless you got a mouse in your pocket. If you got a mouse in your pocket, then we can we stuff. All right. Otherwise, this is an individual decision. And, and as I stress, it's just like yeah. your spirituality. I mean, you know, get out there. Do you get out on the corner and say, come to Jesus, uh, all the people that walk by? Well, when I was a, when I was a kid and, and prone to be profane, if somebody would say we, I would ask them if they had a turd in their pocket. <laughs> there you go. Okay. Well, we, we try and be somewhat of a family show here. <laughs> yeah. And... <laughs> I said, "What's this we stuff?" You know, and, and, and I, uh, I don't want to discourage Cody's enthusiasm, but my personal experience no, no. and everything that I've yeah. seen from anybody that ever tried any of this we stuff, man, it's never worked. Well, that's got a lot of people in trouble. It's well, ruined a lot of their lives. Yeah. But lucky you just hit the, the people. The head. I, I got, I got myself into more trouble with our three-letter friends by going to people and paying them a lot of money because they they would write letters and, and, show, and do uh, uh, documents for me that didn't work because they didn't have the information, but they were supposedly the experts. Yep. There is no, there from personal experience, there is no substitute for your own knowledge. you got to have it, especially in this arena. Uh, and you got to have accurate knowledge because if you don't, you are playing with the devil toe to toe in their arena with their rules. With no gloves, you better know your s ship high in transit. Yeah, well, uh, the, the most of the people that join the weeds are looking for an easy way. Oh, well, here we go again. So we had another jitsy hiccup. Dad gummit. Most of the people with the wheeze trying to reconnect i'm not going to dump out so uh and and that's the problem i've found over the years and i've it's just an individual solution there's no other answers because there's no group solution until we get a group of good solid people that are lashed together like those fasci that you see behind them in the well of the senate okay let's see if i can join again since uh did everybody yeah it's the same situation okay there's me now, I guess other folks can come back on. So if you've got a, there's other folks coming back on. I sure do apologize for Jitsi. Um, they're usually super stable little platform here. Uh, but today we're having a few problems. Um, I assume it's Chinese. Maybe they're having a rainstorm or something over there. Uh, get the other folks back in and see if we can pick up where we were when we uh, dropped off here. It looks like the two gray guys. Two gray guys both came back in. Are y'all there? There's Chris back and there's Brent back. Uh, imagine Daryl and Lou will come back here in a second. Brent, can we hear you? What's happening on your end? You just get got the screen go blank when that happens? It sure did. Yeah, there you go. Well, it's a Jitsi problem. Hopefully it won't be recurring too often because it's a pain in the rear end. But they react pretty quick and get it back up. I'm you know, pretty impressed with that. 
It's a big improvement, I think, over the Skype one that we used for so long. It was adequate, but I like the Jitsi platform a little bit better, I think. Well, it seems to work very well. I'm afraid well. to talk. Yeah, yeah, I know. Every time you talk, <laughs> we get knocked off. <laughs> um, let me, uh, if I can, just let me just give a really quick example of of the uh, conflated and equivocated uh, thinking of uh, people that would identify themselves as Christians here, or or Americans or whatever. Uh, there's this term called Judeo-Christian. This is an oxymoron. It's a, it's it's it is Christian, an example of Christian schizophrenia. Well, you know, Daryl, in Ted okay. Weiland, in and, Ted Weiland's uh, book, it, it, in Ted Weiland, let me let me, let me yeah. embellish what you're saying here. Where, where's that coming from? Somebody. Ben, stick your mute on, buddy. Ben. I think that may be Lou's restaurant. Well, I think it was Ben. But if, if somebody stick your mute on, if you would, please. Sorry for the confusion. I wanted to add this to what Harvey was or what Daryl was saying, and now I lost my damn point with all that on there. Um, the in Ted Weiland's book, which I highly recommend, yesterday, today, and forever, God's chosen people. One of the quotes in there from the Jewish sources on one on that issue, anti-Semitism, said Judeo-Christianity was the greatest public relations coup of the 20th century. Well, yes. So, uh, what this what this is 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 uh, what you're seeing. In real time, on a daily basis, uh, you saw it last week. You saw it your your whole life. Is is cognitive? The the very term Judeo Christian is the epitome of cognitive dissonance. It's um, it uh, is it's why you you have liberal politics and you can't address the source. It's the mother's. Uh, it's you, the mother's. It, it's the mother's it, skirt that the little bully in the schoolyard hides behind. Th this is this is why Newt Gingrich got slapped down. It wasn't so much the fact that Newt Gingrich Gingrich got slapped down, is that he took it because he couldn't take it the rest of the way, and he knew so. And uh, so. Uh, who is Antifa? Well, you can't say it. You never hear on the main, the lamestream. Oh, it's a Jewish, uh, it's a Jewish manifestation. You got people saying, "Well, we got, we got Antifa and BLM." Okay. Well, Black Lives Matters has nothing to do with any of that. Antifa and BLM are are is a Jewish ideology against Christian values. That's yep. who the real adversaries are. There. Yep. Uh, so, so uh, you can't identify that because then you become an anti-Semite because you're a sorry white guy and you can't defend yourself. So you keep your pie hole shut, even if you could articulate it. You keep your pie hole shut because you don't want to be called an anti-Semite. Because this is Judeo-Christianity and, and you don't dare cross that line. Look at all yeah. these Southern uh, Baptist so, Convention yeah. people that teach this dispensationalism <laughs> doctrine. Well, I don't have to worry about any of that election stuff. I'm going to be raptured out of here. 
Well, you can pray. You can pray. I, I hear a lot of people saying we're praying. Well, you're not bringing anything to the table, kids. All you have to do is pray. Really? Is that what is that what Jesus Christ said to the apostles after he gave his speech and there's 5,000 hungry people? Is that what he said? He says, okay, yeah, just... He says, we need to feed these people. They say, well, okay. Well, we, we've only got this, this, this little bit of bread, a couple of loaves, and a couple of fishes. He says, that'll be enough. It has to be in. Well, what, 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 did he, what, did he, what was he saying to those people? It's the same thing I'm saying to you now. You've got to bring something to the table before he's got anything to work with. And praying just don't cut it. And he I don't care. You know why I say that to you? You know why I say that to you? Is because the evidence makes it true. I think he said something about you can selling pray all you want. Selling your cape and buying a sword, didn't he? Well that that's that's a different that's a different situation. But what I'm talking about here is that in order for him to have something to work with, you need to bring something to the table. Yep. Okay. Otherwise, you're just saying you're just you're just making uh, uh, this prayer, and then okay, do this for me. Well, every parent knows that the the best way to harm your children is do for them what they should be doing for themselves, right? Come on, you know th- you know this this whole rapture and this whole thing about oh, I'm just going to pray. It's a cop out. Okay, let's just be blunt about they're, it. It's a cop out. They've neutered you. They you neutered know. you. Yeah. Well, it, it's convenient, too. It's convenient. It's really convenient not to have to bring anything to the table, isn't it? Oh, poor is me. Oh, my. Uh, yeah, somebody will do it for me. Cody will do it for me. Yeah, Cody will. No. Cody? Clinton. Where's Cody? How can, you know, it's like the old fire sign theater thing from the 60s. I was thinking about this other day. Y'all remember fire sign theater? Did all those really? Yeah. St- you remember those guys? Somewhat. How can how can you be in two places at once and not anywhere at all? Gets about as much reaction we're, we're, we're as it answer. as it did back then, off the record. <laughs> well, we. Uh, we're, we're waiting for your we're waiting for your divineness here no, it's that. just we're a question it, it hangs i mean it's been hanging for four decades <laughs> how can you be in two places at once and not anywhere at all oh yes back to my younger days oh so anyway that just came out of somewhere deep in my subconscious <laughs> here's a here's another oxymoron for you this is this is the things that you have to, in order to make any progress here at all with the wheeze, or even yourself, you you're going to have to untie these knots in your brain. Here's another great, here's another great oxymoron, multicultural. Ooh, that's an oxy that's an oxymoron. Okay, uh, you're you you are going to you are going to get your butt handed to you in this intellectual and psychological fistfight. Okay. And you're going to lose liberty because that's an oxymoron. Liberty, equality, and fraternity. Right. Uh, diversity is our strength. Another oxymoron. Okay. What is uh, what did the these university? Are, these of, are, 
The University no. of Chicago made the public announcement the other day. I believe they're only going to admit blacks into their English program this year. No, it's it's not an English program. It's uh, ebonics. Well, I know that, but uh, it was going to turn into ebonics. It sounds like, but I well, isn't there some discrimination there somewhere? Well, listen, you we live our whole lives with uh, accepting and embracing a double standard. Okay, this this is the this is this is exemplified by uh, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who just uh, passed on to her great reward. We hope, and uh, I hope so, she's so being. I hope, she, with, I hope she's being rewarded profusely. Well, I I I'm I'm not gonna I'm not gonna. Uh, curse her with any maledictions I, uh, she'll get her just rewards I did so, there was no malice uh, there but, but listen yeah here's here's who's here's Ruth Bader Ginsburg okay appointed by Bill Clinton 1994 and uh, uh, there's no there's no there's no questioning whether or not she's going to bring her Talmudic Jewish background onto the into her Jewish prudence. Okay, no question at all there. That's pretty good, Daryl. Okay. <laughs> so there's no question there, but yet, but yet when when a when a, a Christian, a Kavanaugh or a, a Catholic comes up, well, listen, are you is your is your faith and your religious system gonna? Uh, you got Schumer and all these guys asking him these questions. Is that gonna? Is that gonna? Are you gonna oppose your religious and cultural and ideological background on 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 your on your decisions on the bench, right? Ooh. Well, here, there's a double standard right there. Here's a hypothetical, okay. Daryl, right up your alley, buddy. With that lead in, what happens when they get a abortion case to the Supreme Court? Which way does Roberts fall? Uh, any any way that any way that Jizzling Maxwell tells him to <laughs> from her jail cell. <laughs> well, she's got the videotape. Yeah, they're having she it. Has the videotape. They're evidently moving her from room to room every day, a different roommate, and always somebody in the room, and giving her all these paper clothes to wear and stuff. She's not happy. Some claim that yeah. she's uh, singing like a bird. FP, uh, like a cuckoo bird. Chris singing it, like a cuckoo bird. Chris, talk again. I said some claim she's singing like a bird. Okay, FP. Who FP came on? Could you hit you? Okay, you got something to say or hit your mute? There's a little background noise there if you could. Fat yeah. Pat. Yeah. FP. FP. Aye. FP. There you go. We got there him muted is. now. Thank you. Is that is that Patrick? That must be, is that Patrick? Yeah, that's me. Okay, so now I know who FP is. Hey, man. We had, you were trying to call me on Skype the other day when we were on the air. I'm glad you found out how to get with us. Yeah, it's uh hooked up pretty good it's pretty easy to use it is it's a very clean signal with jitsi if you use the phone app or if you're on the computer and you can use it straight there that way too but uh much better than the phone in and as i said even chris 
even Chris, our technologically challenged contributor, has navigated this successfully. Yeah. yeah amen. So good we'll deal. We'll head out his way here in a few weeks. We're going to go out to the Grand Canyon for Feast of Tabernacles and be kind of close to where he is. Uh, I don't know that Sin City is where I really want to go, but we're going to go check out the West again, see all the liberals. Brent, uh, let me ask Chris and, and Brent, too, what's going on in Vegas? Is the, are things picking up back out there to anything even close to 50%? No. As a matter of fact, they had a football game here oh, yeah. yesterday evening, yeah, yeah. and uh, we did see the Thunderbirds fly over. However, <laughs> there was nobody in the stands, and they're using canned fan sound effects to give the illusion there's somebody there for the audience that's viewing at home. And uh, it is just absolutely bizarre. They did open up some of the bars, supposedly, and going to let them play with partitions separating the players at the bar top counter gaming machines, which will give some relief to these economically depraved bar owners and restaurant owners that have gaming devices in their things. Just, uh, you know, I mentioned the stuff about the court ruling against uh, Trump's attempt to stop the boat theft scam here in Nevada. Was that, uh, it is was, absolutely insane in Las Vegas. They are still suffering from mask hysteria everywhere you go. They think that their private policies of their corporation overrule their public accommodation obligations to provide ADA and other protections against being forced to put on a stupid mask of submission to show that you're stupid and you don't know enough to realize it's a bunch of hoax by a bunch of incompetent in medicine, incompetent, highly conflicted, biased, substantially conflicted, economic and biologic terrorist maniacs over there who claim they know everything when they know nothing. It was floated this hey, Chris, morning can you be more specific? the people that refuse to wear a mask shouldn't be allowed to take the vaccine. What about the, what about the uh, ladies of the night, the little ranches? Are they booming? Must have put mine here. Yeah, if you don't mind making love with a mask on. I hear some people like to get into that. <laughs> did you guys hear That's, what I uh, said? I, did you hear that? What I said? The idea that was floated this morning is people that refuse to wear a mask shouldn't be should be made to not be allowed to take the vaccine. Okay, well, it, it, it went over dead both times. <laughs> I guess it's one you got to read. <laughs> uh, crazy times, crazy times, folks. So, so what else did I have on my mind I wanted to talk about today? Uh, anybody else is sitting out there that's come back from the Jitsi interruptions, you got something on your mind, now's the time to bring it to the forefront. Can't believe nobody's got any comments or questions. That amazes me. Well, the silence. I've always got something to say. I just the silence. I, of I the just lambs. leave it open for somebody else. The silence. Hear me all the time. The silence of the lambs. Let's hope not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh Lord, mercy. So. 
So what does what does liberal politics allow these people to do? Jewish liberal politics, what does this allow them to do? Through the civil laws. Okay, here's what it does. It provides temporary temporal absolution, legal redemption. Okay, you can murder mm-hmm. your child. Okay, and get and get civil legal redemption mm-hmm. and absolution. Okay, this is this is uh this is the parallel system. Uh, I, I, bring, I use this, I bring this out because it's the most disgusting and repugnant uh, denial and cognitive dissonance that uh, people go on here. Listen, you, you, you really, you can, you can fiddle around with all the other levers and buttons and, and uh, apps on this, uh, this system here, but until some of these fundamental things are addressed, It'll be of no, no, uh, no consequence, no consequence. So you stand up and tell the right person you ain't involved anymore. You're involved. Terrence has joined us. We hadn't seen him in a while. How you doing, Terrence, down there in South Florida, buddy? Well, Roger, I just wanted to say I ain't wearing a mask, therefore I ain't taking no vaccine. I like that idea. <laughs> okay, good deal, Terrence. Well, we'll put you at the head of the queue on that one. But I wanted to, I wanted to throw a rock into the pool and ask the question of say the Archdiocese of St. Louis or Detroit or New York exists who is under its standing or jurisdiction except the volunteers is anybody else does the Archdiocese march up and down the streets pulling people over saying they're not praying enough or down on their knees enough or got enough beads going through their fingers I hadn't seen that. Well, if that's the case with the archdiocese, how is it any different with the uh, city of New York congregation? No different. How do they how do they pull people over that haven't volunteered into their church? Or the city of Miami or the state of New York? If I'm not a member of that church, how do they get to tax my land? They ask you if you're involved, and you say yes. I don't know if they ever asked. They just uh, we just registered our stuff because Dad told me this is how you do it. Because yeah. Dad didn't know where nobody else knew. Correct. You volunteer. Still, you went in there. They didn't force you at the point of a gun to go in there and do that, did they? But still, oh. I'm not finished with my point. Oh, okay. My point oh, is, please. so Daryl works for the state of New York, and he puts on his New York costume and clocks in and says, well, because I work for the state of New York, I'm going to go get Terrence's land. Based on what, Mr. Daryl? I'm not attacking you, Daryl, but based <laughs> on what? Okay. Attack right. him, attack him. Based on what? Because you clocked in and somehow you think that I signed something or agreed to be something. Where do you get that information from? That You never brought that up when you came to my house and said, well, by the way, you signed this document and here you agreed to be a U.S. citizen. Therefore, I said, I'm Daryl and I clocked in and put on this costume. I get to bend you over and have a ball. Oh. Well, you know, where, where, where did this come from? A presumption. It's all based on a presumption. That's what I'm asking, Roger. A presumption. Who Daryl doesn't presume anything. He just clocks in and does what he wants to do with yeah. me. 
He doesn't presume anything. Well, right. you're where, using, where does this Terrence, presumption well, come from? Well, you're Terrence, talking about Terrence. states, and those are political subdivisions of this monster behemoth in D.C. that you have volunteered and voluntarily submitted to your whole life because they've asked you those questions. There's a fraudulent presumption from your birth, but then once you got past the age of majority, they started when they when you were under the age of so majority. Roger, to... They'd ask your parents, and your parents would say, "Yeah, he's one of them." And then once it I'm got to where to... you could answer it, then you've answered it your whole life that way. And I come back to the way John used to phrase this. You know, look, ignorance of the law is no excuse. Terrence ought to know what the hell he is, shouldn't he? Roger, I'm trying to take it a step back. Okay. Ignorance of whose law? Why do I have to be cognizant of anybody's law? Ignorance of that's that's the well, most absurd the reason the reason you got to be heard. the reason you got to be cognizant of it is so you can make the decision which body you want to be under. Oh, okay. Let me go back to the archdiocese. Well, how, why do I got to know their laws just because they say they are? They are. Well, who is this forcing me that I have to be cognizant of somebody else's? BS. A fraudulent presumption, Terrence, that you can rebut. I know. I rebut it with the barrel of a gun. Well, it's better to probably rebut it with a piece of paper first. <laughs> well, that that may be yeah. that may be true. You know, but those paper many, cuts well, are pretty. Pieces? Those paper cuts are pretty damn painful and dangerous, if I remember right. They they seem to be, yeah. but how many how many pages do I got to shove underneath a judge's face to prove you that you don't he has you don't no have to shove it? You don't. That's an exactly where you don't shove it. The first place you shove it is up the Secretary of State's barracks bag. Then, okay. if you ever get in front of the judge, you remove that from the Secretary of State's barracks bag and you stick it up the judge's barracks bag. At okay. that point, what? Uh, but but my question goes to why do I even have to go to this secretary? Who is he? Because you're under a fraudulent presumption, and unless you do that, you can't get out of it. Otherwise, that's why. That's where that's what I'm saying. The end result, and this is back to the Constitution and that fraud and everything else. Fraud is. It comes down to the barrel of a gun, Roger. Well, I mean, you you want to quote Mao? Okay, I'll quote Mao with you. Because without the barrel of a gun. The but, Secretary of but, State doesn't have a thing to say to me. But you see, the thing is, up to this point, we're not at that point yet. We're at a point where they still do recognize it. They can't take the velvet glove off yet because there's too damn many of us, Terrence. They know it. We're the ones that don't know it. Because we've been yeah, conditioned otherwise. Our whole I'm lives. trying to make... I'm just trying to make the point that um, it shouldn't be. Well, you, your point. I I have to when that. when the diocese comes, Roger. when the diocese Roger. comes marching down the street, and you say, "I don't want. I'm not Catholic. I don't want to be in the diocese." That's what you're doing with that affidavit to the Secretary of State. I'm not in the diocese. Sorry. Yeah, that's true. So. Uh, Roger, I guess it would be a, it would be fair notice. I guess that that would. Well, you, you know, everything goes back. Every jurisdiction in the history of the world goes back to the basic concept of due process. Even so, even uh, the damn pirates that had pull a false flag, they would a false flag is putting the other country's flag up there. But when you get close, you yank it down and throw the Jolly Roger up. Even the pirates okay. gave them notice. 
Mm. Okay. So Terrence, Terrence asked a really good question. And uh, if we go back to uh, right after the, uh, the Revolutionary War, well, what's the first big test after the Revolutionary War? Well, it's this thing out in Pennsylvania called the Whiskey Rebellion. Remember that? Mm-hmm. And in the Whiskey Rebellion, in the Whiskey, whiskey whisk, I can say it, Whiskey Rebellion, what do they have to do? Well, what caused to, it? First uh, of all, impose, what caused it? Oh, taxes. The, the reason the Whiskey Rebellion was so important was because those Scotch-Irish and those people that were found in those frontier territories, they used liquor as commodities, as money. And, and they were being taxed. And the, uh, the Revolutionary Army had a debt, and they wanted the revenue off of that. So it, was, it came down to taxes. The point being is that the, uh, after supposedly winning the Revolutionary War, the, their first test and act is to impose upon the people of western Pennsylvania the very same thing that they fought the Revolutionary War over, and they enforced it at the barrel of a gun. Okay, uh, so when the Congress Congress writes municipal laws, legislation, uh, your local police officer enforces it at the barrel of a gun. Uh I don't really think, I mean, we, we have to, I have to acknowledge Terrence's uh, uh, question slash rhetorical question, sort of, but th- that's, that's where, that's what it all comes down to in the very end. Uh, and, uh, you know, politics, politics is merely a substitute for violence, but at some point, at some point when the politics have reached to the the uh, point where it is now uh, you asked a question earlier in the show roger when when was there such a crazy election well i would say that i would say that there is a close approximation of that just uh in abraham lincoln uh in that election and uh this he wasn't even on the ballot in the southern states so that was that's pretty that was a pretty queer situation wasn't it and how did they settle that out of the barrel of a gun. So uh, am I recommending the, the barrel of a gun? Well, no. What I'm saying is uh, unless some sort of control is brought back into play here, that's where this will go. It ultimately will go to the barrel of a gun. Well, that's where they want it to go. It always has. That's where they want it to go. It always has. Yeah, well, it always has and it always will. Uh, and, uh, so, uh, at some point they will, Roger, they will take the mask off. Uh, I don't know if it's, uh, next year or in five years, but if they do get their way, that's where it will have to go for some of us. Okay. At, at some point that's where it will have to go because, uh, <clears throat> You know, uh, if there's no political, if you're censored, there's no political solution. Then the only thing else you're left to deal with then is to live under tyranny. Now, they're they're not doing everything they're doing to leave uh, to leave these obscure and hidden uh, 
principles in place that we talk about here. Okay, at some point these will be eradicated as well. When they when they gain sufficient control over what they want to do, their agenda, this will disappear. These these options will disappear. That's that's my should, uh, that should, might should, be controversial here. Should I, they should yeah. they get that far in prosecuting their agenda? Yeah, See, the book yeah. says they don't. That's, that's the book says they headed. fall on their own yeah. sword because well, they I, trip as they have over a thousand yeah. times in history. Well, listen, I'm more than happy to kneel behind him if you'll give him a shove from the front. You know, I'm more than I happy to, go, to do that. What the hell you think you know? I'm doing? <laughs> what the hell you think I'm doing? Well, that's, what do you think I'm doing? <laughs> that's what we're doing. We're and trying to and every time here. in over 10 yeah. years, they've fallen on their sword every time. Every time. Yeah. And but but we can't we can't deny that every time uh, many times when these things have happened there's been much uh, carnage death and destruction yep. and the toppling of societies in the process yep. so that is that is they're they're yeah it's it's not a video game you know so i mean look they've been trying to accomplish uh, this since the early well, days of the country when that guy got up in the british parliament and i don't remember what his name was that made that very eloquent speech and he tagged it at the end was saying if we don't get this problem in the colonies taken care of it threatens every monarchy on the face of the globe right there yeah. in parliament folks what was that the secret uh, that was also that was also written in the secret treaty of Verona with the high contracting powers. Yeah. So, so see, that's why they had yeah. to key on the U.S. Because we're the ones that had this two-tier system and they can't go in and eradicate it. They don't have that much power. They got to veneer over it, commit fraud, and trick you into volunteering and agreeing with it. That's their power. Well, Terrence, Terrence, I, uh, when you first asked your question, I was going to answer it with uh, the t-shirt I have, I have a t-shirt that says you have assumed the presumption <laughs> <laughs> and, and I have, and of course this, this always gets really, really strange looks from people. You have presumed the assumption and, or assumed the presumption. So, well, your father assumed the presumption and he passed it on to you. Yep. And and you pass it on to your children at some point. Uh, and uh, this is uh, what's that? What's that term we use, Roger? It's uh, custom and usage. <laughs> it became customary. Very right. All right. Well, listen, I've sat down it, and argued with so, really high power attorneys about this stuff over the years down in Buenos Aires, two different ones, and neither one of them could see it. And one of them, we almost got to, do it to blows about it. He was a big-time uh, uh, liability attorney that had got caught, um, he got caught uh, uh, money laundering, basically. And he said, I went up, had to go up in front of the judge to get sentenced. The same judge I used to go up in front of, he said the first case I won was $40 million. And so he was pretty well-known. He was in Indianapolis. And he said, I had to go up in front of the same judge I used to go up in front of to win these cases. And he sentences me to six months uh, in minimum security. But he, uh, 
him and I just got to a point. We were staying in the same house down there for a month. And we just got the point where he said, well, I won't talk about it anymore. Because what he tried to do is bring his uh, uh, criminal defense, his attorney experience, and try and debate all these points on residency and all this stuff. And I just got the point. He said, you don't want answers. You just want to be argumentative. So anyway, you run across no, those people. No. You know, every one of you that are spreading this are going to run into people like that. I I almost have to disagree with your disagreement on his disagreement, which is (laughs) it's impossible for a man like him to to embrace or be objective about a system. uh, The facts that impugn uh, how he makes his money. Right. He, He would never recognize that because he doesn't have any integrity. His. He, he's communicating to you exactly what his objectives are. Mammon, well, make uh, money and power. Also, he, had, all. he was not interested in the truth. He had one child yeah. that, it, that had married into the Westinghouse fortune. So he was set with millions okay. that he'd gotten that he had offshore, and his daughter was set for well, life, so he didn't have any worries. He didn't want to hear that stuff. If, if you have, if you have uh, status, position, and millions of dollars – for Pete's sake, what what on earth would truth, integrity have anything to do with what your objectives were? Why would you ever need that? You don't need truth and objectivity, and uh, you, uh, that's just absurd. You, I remember you, you have millions of dollars in status and position. I'll give you a time frame. You can date this conversation because it was right after Cyprus had done the bail-ins over there, and I mentioned the bail-ins. And he goes, no, that couldn't be true. Uh, my financial advisors would have told me about that. <laughs> I went, yeah, right. <laughs> I've often wondered. I actually gave him a copy of my book because I thought when we first started talking, he'd want to read it. Well, he wouldn't read it, you know. So anyway, uh, it was an interesting experience, but it was one of those people that you, there's no way you're yeah. beating your head against a wall because it feels so damn good when you stop. Now, you may have planted a seed somewhere in that process, but eventually it's well, like that guy, Nick, last week. I just walk away. Uh, you, that guy, Nick, I consider people like that to be unteachable. Scripture, yeah. scripture, uh, scripture says, uh, do not cast your pearls before swine. That's what it says. Okay. All right. Yeah. That's so, uh, you know, you, when you find yourself doing that, uh, step away from the hog lot, you know? Yep. Well, it, it yeah. took me a couple of knocks to catch on. You know, I mean, it takes people a few knocks to, to grab a hold of things. Yes, it does. Well, you know, Ben, Ben, yeah. are you with us today? I don't know if Ben's one of the bees or not. Ben's old, good old Texas boy. He's in a welder, and he's the one that said, man, I used to listen to you every day for six months, and then one day, bam, it just hit me like sledgehammer. And that's what happens with people. Okay, You know, my, my friend Ron Brown, now deceased, great guy, and he was, I met him at the first meeting that we convened to this after going to the John and Glenn seminar previously, and then we started a little Atlanta group. Well, I'm sitting outside the office, and there's this guy dressed up like a Philadelphia lawyer, and it's my friend Ron Brown. And he had so much trouble with this over the years. And then when I figured it out and I explained it to him, he didn't even have a copy of his affidavit that he could lay his hands on. He had to go up there in Norcross to the Gwinnett Property Records Office where he'd filed it and pulled the copy off of the property records office that he sent to the Secretary of State. And he said, Roger, 
I went over there and got that thing. I came home and I read it. And he said, I understood it perfectly. All those years yeah. that we'd had these discussions, oh, I don't understand. Bam, he comes back. It sits for a while. He looks at the document. He reads it. He said, I understood it perfectly. Why would why would most lawyers not be able to recognize what we talk about? Uh, rhetorical question again. Well, the answer is it's outside of their system. They, okay? let, the solutions to this are outside of their system. Let me let That's me bring a specific in here, Larry Beecraft, because Lou knows him pretty well. Harvey knows him. I don't think Harv's on with us anymore. Um and I had a lot of discussions. I guess Larry Beecraft still going around with the country. He was working with a guy that came out of the Navy or something that was a big uh, 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 military guy in constitutional law. And they're going around the, the country teaching these seminars. And when people ask them about my stuff, they say it's not, wor it's not right and it doesn't work. Okay, and you know why? Because Larry doesn't even know which definition of person to use. Because he wrote me an email and he asked me when the book was published, what was the definition of the word person I was using? And I answered him back and I said, I'm using the one that Gaius used in Rome 2,000 years ago. Which one are you using? No answer. You know why? He, they can't think outside the boxes because they haven't been taught those basics and those fundamentals. They were intentionally not taught that stuff in law school. You it mean always, uh, it always he, it always gets back to the same point? Who who is educating you, or in this case, re-educating you? Well, it's the old saying, Lou: Don't let your education get in the way of your schooling. Well, Larry didn't come up with uh, the Humpty Dumpty response of the word means whatever I want it to mean whenever I want it to mean it. <laughs> no, he didn't. He didn't even answer. See? And I remember back, see, he knew about John and Glenn's research. And of course, Larry's Ballywick is taxes. That's where he's made his name, spent a lot of his career. Well, that's John and Glenn's Ballywick. And as they were writing their book, the, uh, the, the tax book, and they sent an advanced copy to Larry, and Larry read it, and they got into a long dis discussion with John. And you know what John's comment was, Lou? I thought it was really appropriate. He said, Larry, he's been lawyering too long. He's been lawyering too long. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the uh, legal and judicial and the, uh, and the uh, Jewish system feed off the carcass of your sins. They literally are feeding off the carcass of your sins. Well put. And uh, this is why you have to, what I call, political repentance. Uh, and they will continue to feed off your, your carcass, your dead and rotting carcass, as long as you continue to partake in their sins. Ouch. Ow. Ow. That's harsh, isn't it? Isn't that harsh? All okay. Right. Who pressed the red button? Well, 1%, maybe, maybe. So. Well, if you've known this information, had a few years to get your little pile stashed up, get in a position like you're sitting in out there, Daryl, I'll push that SOB all day long. Don't give me the button. 
Because I'll 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 blow this thing to kingdom come if you but, give me the button. But you put you, that thing in front of me. You got I'll all your equity. You get all your equity tied up in your house and your four hundred one k and all your investments and all that stuff that's tied up there with the Babylonian horse thieves. There ain't no chance in hell you're going to press that button. No. No. Yeah, but you can get you can get absolution and redemption through their their system. This is what they want to convince you. This is this is because the the people that call themselves Christians and conservatives are 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 uh, apostate. And uh, I say that uh, emphatically because uh, your God is not uh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, it's the state. That's who you have your allegiance to, and they want you to pledge to that. And the guy that wrote that that damnable pledge was a socialist. Um, so there you go. Hey, let me let me bring up something. I hey. sent this out to you. I know Daryl and Harvey, and I think maybe sure. Lou on that interview on Bitshoot yesterday. One time interview in his entire life with what was called Hitler's Shadow. Did you watch that yet? Yes, man, that yeah. there was some real interest, man. There's some interesting comments in there. Okay. And for the audience, I put it on the end of yesterday's show description. So, cause we mentioned it briefly yesterday, but I got the chance to watch the rest of it yesterday after the show. And man, this guy, he was chosen out of the Navy. And the reason Hitler was doing all of his own stuff, what happened? He was going to a speaking engagement somewhere and he got there and he didn't have a, a clean shirt and uh, all of his, his cadre around him said, you need some, a personal valet. And I think it was Goebbels that said, I use people out of the Navy, use people out of the Navy because of a couple of reasons. They're good at sea and land and everything. So he interviewed four people from the Navy and this guy's the one he selected. His name was Krauss. Isn't that right? Lou Krauss. And he goes back in the way Hitler swore him. He said, no, you never give say anything you see or hear here. And he, he honored that pledge his entire life, except for this one interview. And he did an interview on a lot of the, cause he was always right behind Hitler. he showed a bunch of pictures and he always was behind him. He was his personal valet. And what amazed me when they first started, uh, Lou, and I think it was like in the mid to late thirties, Hitler had no security detail. He was not only his personal valet, but he was his security detail. Yep. Amazing. When he said the night that they burned the brown night of the brown shirts, uh, when they burned all the synagogues and the news got to Hitler and they said he was absolutely furious. And he said, they're going to blame me for this. I'm going to get blamed for this. Okay. A lot of other really interesting insights into that interview. If you are interested in that part of history and the most demonized man in the history of the world, boy, there's some insights in there that were just amazing. Hitler loved, he was like Harvey. He loved children. Evidently the children would gravitate to him kind of like they do to Harvey. Yeah. And the other thing yeah. that struck me is he has absolutely no personal possessions. He didn't care about wealth. He didn't care about possessions. He wasn't materialistic in any sense. 
And probably, from what I gathered out of there, Lou, and since you've listened to it, see if you agree with it. I got out of it that Hitler was absolutely, totally sabotaged by his generals because he had never didn't come through the general ranks. He'd only been a corporal in the First World War. There was definitely some animosity there. There's no doubt about that. That's, yeah, he was he was not of the warrior class, so to speak. But the people, the he goes over a couple of examples when they took over Austria, and the Austrians didn't even know he was coming when they'd annexed Austria. Okay, and they come in, and when they got to the border, the border had to let Hitler in the cars through, and the word spread that he was on his way to Vienna. And there were throngs of people in the streets. This guy, Krauss, he's saying, I couldn't hear myself think for miles from the people that were just shrieking. It's very interesting video. And like I said, if you got any interest in that period of history, you may pick up some real interesting insights in there you've never been exposed to before. Well, it's certainly so it, it's not the history they teach uh, for the last huh? Uh, 60 70 years that's for sure so you had you had people in germany that were as uh captivated and, and supportive of adolf hitler as we have any number of people are for uh, donald trump they loved hitler you know and i mean i i, I yeah. had I, I had that relationship through silver lawn with the the gal trudy adler was her name up in M milwaukee actually daryl and her husband had been in the Third Reich, and he was on the Eastern Front, and he had experienced frostbite. And that product helped his frostbite where nobody had ever to, been able to since World War II. Okay? But she told me that. She said, and she was real serious. You could hear it in, in her voice. And she said, we loved Adolf. We loved him. Yeah. Well, after, after you've lived under the Jewish Weimar Republic, uh, you know, I mean, uh, think about it. So, um, <clears throat> but listen, uh, before we end here, uh, you started the show off. I think you were talking about the feudal system. And if you don't take anything else away from this idea, if you're going to, if you're going to say something to the people you were talking to and bring and mention this feudal system, you need to at least be able to say this to them, the feudal system protection for allegiance allegiance for protection and who are you pledged to who are you pledging your allegiance to i like That's that approach you, would, would you rather get your laws from god or would you rather get them from man boy that right there you is need to where have the rubber meets the road yeah. buddy uh, well if not if you're not if you're not talking to a Christian, they don't care. But if you the you, you need to have a quiver of arrows and and you know choose choose the right arrow. Yes, you know when you're trying to well if Nancy, get this across to different people. If Nancy Pelosi can have a quiver with arrows, we can damn sure have one. I'd like to throw uh, one in before uh, before the end, um, gentlemen. Have your pens and pencils ready. And check out climateviewer.org. Climateviewer.org. It's got live satellite imagery uh, from uh, meteorological satellite studies, uh, 
uh, the Naval Resources, NASA, ETA, it, it, it logs every uh, 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 gas well, whatever they call it, uh, fracking. It, it logs all the, uh, just it's just amazing maps that covers everything on the world that that you'd want to ever know. Okay, that's climateviewer.org, right, Terrence? Yes. Okay. I'm going to put at the end of today's show description now, I'm going to put the index of all of these books we talked about from this Mr. Beers. And there's a lot of information in there. And I'll stick that in the master list at the end of today's show description. I think it's the Federal Mafia or something. So anyway, thanks, everybody. And uh, even with Jitsi's hiccups, pretty good productive show today. A lot of good meaty stuff talked about, as usual. Thanks for being along, and thanks for the contributions. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow with or without Paul. Hopefully, Paul will see clear of his schedule to drop in and say hello. We haven't seen him in a few weeks. He's been the mystery man. So we'll see. It's uh, off to the Patriot lunch for me, and I'll uh, report on what we ate and what we did tomorrow. You guys have a nice day, and we'll see what else develops in the next 22 hours. See y'all. Thanks a bunch, everybody. Hasta la vista, baby. We've got some meaty shows lately, man. Oh, yeah, Jim Ram's on vacation, but he's got a replay that's entertaining as hell coming up.